I think I know this beer. It's the Beervana Show, broadcast almost live in Portland on X-Ray FM and in Vancouver at KXRW, or available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I'm Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University, and with me, as always, is Jeff Allworth, author of several books, including The Beer Bible. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. I'm speaking quickly because we got a big show tonight. We do. Today. Whenever, I guess. Whenever you listen to this. That's right. <laughs> There's no time in the internet. Uh, so, we, we, we have to be brief. The weather is nice. It is nice. Uh, which will be appropriate for our show today because we're going to be talking about loggers. That's right. We're, we're launching into summer. This is our new summer uh, season. Yeah. And I'm proud of us because we're kind of on a roll now, getting the podcast out and regular schedule. So We are. And uh, although we will not be delving into the mailbag today, I've got a number of items from y'all and I appreciate that. Yeah. So we will have, we have a fat and full mailbag going forward. So that's good. Yeah. And this is the first of a two-parter as we'll explain in a moment. So we'll be able to get to that in part two. So today we have a very special show along with a very special guest. Longtime listeners may recall that Jeff and I have held periodic blind taste-offs. A few years back, we tested Pilsners, and two years ago, we pitted Oregon and Washington IPAs. I thought that was our last one. Yes. Against each other. Uh, the winner of that one was the Von Ebert Faltzel Substance. That's right. It's most prestigious award in a year in which it also yeah, won the OBAs and the G. <laughs> yeah, it won some other gold medals. And I <laughs> and they've just rebranded, not they just redone the, the, the cans. Yeah. And they have the, I don't know which one it is, the OBF or the, no, probably the... Um, uh, the gold medal from the um, the GABF, the GABF, and yeah. I'm thinking like, what? Right? Why? What happened to the Beervana gold medal IPA winning IPA? <laughs> it's just, it's just. A, it is true that I think we. They're think, they're a humble brewery. They don't yeah, want to. You know. And I think our, their trophy got lost in the mail, so they might that's, not have actually found out. Yeah, that's possible. All right, so today we kick off a two part taste off. Are you ready? Mass market loggers. Boom. Yes. So these are not craft. These are mass market lagers. We did, a number of years ago, do Mexican. That's right. A Mexican lager. Kind of a, 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 an abbreviated version. Yes. But this is the full Monty. We're, we are going to crown the champion mass market lager available in America. We have we have a multi-continental competition. Yeah. Uh, while connoisseurs eschew these beers, that's a big word, Jeff. Thank you. Because they have slight and occasionally objectionable flavor profiles. Watch your mouth. Uh, occasionally. They, they, occasionally. Constitute, they constitute the vast majority of beers sold in the world. We have an international lineup, and to help us taste them, we invited a ringer to help out. Friend of the pod, Alan Taylor, brewmaster at Zoigel House and... Oh, I gotta I gotta stick to the script. Oh, hey, German trained master brewer at Zeugel House, Ascendant and Albuquerque's Ponderosa. I knew Ponderosa was one, but I couldn't remember the Ascendant. Yes, he has trained and new he has a trained and nuanced palate, and we invited him to help us all understand what we're tasting in these beers. And thank goodness, yeah, because it because it is true that once you get all these beers lined up, you do notice big differences. You wouldn't have maybe not have thought so, but still, there are a lot of subtle stuff that Alan was able to find for us. And, and Alan's good at identifying uh, chemical compounds that Patrick and I may not uh, appreciate, which uh, come through process and ingredient. And he, as you're going to hear, will explain those to us. Yeah. So thank you, Alan. Thank goodness he was, he was with us. All right. So uh, we're going to launch right into it because uh, this takes a while and you'll see why in a moment. Uh, we want to, before we talk about... Uh, uh, and launch into the tape about uh, our tasting, we want to thank Portland's Miletus and Columbia Distributing, who provided all of us, all the beer, I think, provided us with fresh, chilled samples of these beers to taste. 
and we're very thankful that they did. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Uh, it's hard to chase all of these down, and um, they really set us up for fun and giggles. They really <laughs> did. Really I mean, we were looking around. We had this idea um, six months ago, and we started going to grocery stores to see how we could source the beer. And there's these a lot of these beers are not readily available, so I'm not even sure where they're sold in the Portland metro area. Somewhere. Yeah. But it would have been a real hike. We would have been on an expedition to find these beers. But instead... Yeah. Uh, they just set us up, so thanks, guys. So without Miletus and Columbia's shipping, we would not have been able to pull this off, so thank you very much. If you want to follow along more closely as we describe the beers we're tasting, here you go. Here is the lineup of the beers we tasted. Uh, as you'll find out, we got the help of Lily, uh, Alan Taylor's daughter, who oh. was able to... That's right. Good call. Yeah. I didn't have that in the, I didn't put that in the notes. Yes. So a uh, big thanks to Lily who was able allow us to do this completely blind. We didn't even have to do some crazy taping scheme. We did with the IPA uh, taste off. You can go back and look at pictures of that. That's right. Uh, so in round one, this was the lineup. We did not know which these beers were, but this is the lineup. Budweiser, Kokanee. Kokanee is a regional macro brew from uh, British Columbia, Canada. Hams, Bush, Heineken, Foster's, Rolling Rock, Coors, and Beck's. So as you can see, a pretty international lineup there. That's right. Round two included Singa from Thailand. That was a big, uh, that was fun to have that one. Don't Ma- ask no questions. Medella, don't tell no lies. Uh, Medella <laughs> Especial, uh, that's for Pogues fans. Uh, Miller <laughs> High Life, Kieran, Rainier, Stella Artois, Michelob Ultra, Pabst, and Narragansett, which is a New England regional uh, macro brew. Right. Uh, and I think, uh, by the way, Rolling Rock used to be independent now. I think it's an ABI uh, beer. So those are the 12, uh, 18, excuse me, I can't, re- can't add nine and nine. The 18 beers we had, they represent many continents, many countries, and all the big American ones, Budweiser, Miller, uh, and Coors. And uh, as you'll hear... Uh First of all, I think it was Lily who actually divided these two, and she did a great job. The, the two, are, I think, are quite well divided. It wasn't like yeah. we accidentally put all the good beers in one one, one uh, or the other. Um, and we ended up with a nice uh, finals round of a, of a blend of uh, domestic and international beers, so that's fun, too. Yeah. All right, so uh, we shouldn't waste any more time. Let's get to the tape. All right. Okay, uh, what, did you, what did you guys think of these beers? Overall, I was happy to drink almost all of them. In a, in to almost some extent, all. yes. There were a few that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink, but generally they're pretty decent beers. I think we said this on the last time we did the macro lagers for the Mexican lagers is that uh, they all seem like they're very similar until you sit down with nine of them in a row and then you realize how different they are. So, right, I'm a novice, but I could. The differences were quite striking. So. Indeed. So I think we're going to go through each one very briefly, give our own notes, and then we'll talk about which ones we thought were good and bad and uh, which three we're sending forward. Yeah. So um, so just for the listener, we have two rounds of nine. So we have 18 samples donated to us from our wonderful friends at Malia's Beverage. That'd be George DeMeo and Ryan Clough at Columbia Distribution. Thank you, guys. They supported us by giving us a bunch of samples to try, so I thank both of you guys for that. Very, very appreciative of that, because even trying to get these beers, what to speak of paying for them, uh, would have been challenging. So I think think this is... I think they're... (laughs) They made this possible in a literal sense. So thanks, guys. All right, so let's go with number one. I'm going to turn to the expert, Alan. To your right. 
<laughs> We're sitting in a triangle here, so it's great. Yeah. Uh, one was one of the beers that was in my upper half. Uh, it had a very, very low color, had a nice light malt sweetness in the aroma. I picked up no discernible hops in the aroma and the flavor and body. It was a medium sweetness and a medium body. And this is another thing that was interesting. Most of these beers had some body. Yes, I was surprised about that. The watered down beers the Germans always make fun of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this had a little bit low CO2 for me in the sample I had. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit caprylic. Caprylic is typically waxy, leave a little waxy residue on the tongue. Uh, I picked up some caprylic on this one and I thought it was one of the blander beers on the table. Interesting. So uh, can I interject, can the novice go in the middle? Sure. And then you can correct all the stuff. That, I so I, I also immediately on the nose, the sort of bready maltiness mm -hmm. came to me and then um, I said it was a slightly fruity uh, sweetness, like a grape almost. Um, which I kind of liked. It, it felt like one of the sweeter beers uh, mm -hmm. uh, to me. Um, and uh, so that sort of nice mix of slightly sweet and a little bit bready malt, uh, I liked. Yeah, I agree it was, with... It was one of my... It was top half. Top half for me, too. I agree with Alan that um, I was surprised at how full-bodied some of these beers were, and this one especially, uh, to kick things off, it was the first beer I tasted. Um, it seemed very full-bodied, and I made a note very full body, and then later it didn't <laughs> compared to the rest of the sample. But yeah. given my initial expectation, I thought it was these. And there are some thin beers in here, but yeah. Um, yeah. it is pretty full and sweet. And I've, as I taste it now, it's gotten even more sweet. So it's yeah. continuing to sweeten up. And we must also mention these were in a refrigerator about 38 degrees. They were poured and brought to us, and we've been sampling here for probably 20, 30 minutes or so. Yeah. So they've warmed up to a nice cellar temperature that Brits would love. Uh, most macro lager drinkers would not be drinking them at this temperature. <laughs> That's right. But this is the best way for us but to the taste flavors them. flavors start appearing, yeah. Yeah. So beer two? I think we should go in this. We should change Okay, time, we'll, we'll so. switch. I can go. Yeah, uh, you should go. I'm too embarrassed to go first, but the, I will. This one, this one had uh, what we discussed in our before we turned on the mic, uh, in my mind as a kind of peanut note uh, that I wondered if Alan could talk about. And I get it uh, in the aroma and a little bit on the flavor, but a little bit less on the flavor than I get it in the aroma. Um, that's a, again, I was uh, I was surprised at how full-bodied it was, uh, but uh, it has a kind of um, it's got a nice malt character. Um, it's pretty it's a bit sweet. I would like a crisper finish, but um, but overall, I thought it was one of it was in my top half. It smacks me in the face, and what I wrote down was. Uh, Having been a part-time home brewer, uh, dried malt extract is mm. what it's what it smelled like. At that, that's that um, that very malty sort of not malto meal. What's the Horlicks kind of? Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of I, aroma. I, I I noted down that there was a caramel note, and mm -hmm. I think that may be the same thing you're talking. Yeah, about. I think that's what I'm talking about, and it's also apparent <clears throat> on the on the tongue as well. Um, and so it was kind of a sweetness, but it's a sweetness that I didn't prefer. Yeah. This is one of my higher rated beers, but I think part of that is also coming from the fact that uh, I come from a Germanic brewing heritage and all malt is typically what you're looking for in those beers. So I'm yeah. kind of pre-programmed to appreciate a little bit more malt flavor mm -hmm. in the beer. This one had a very bready aroma. It has an orange hue to it, which is one of the darker beers on the yes. table. Yeah. 
I can smell hops, which mm-hmm. is I think is the only one of two possibly that we actually could smell some spicy herbal hops in there. I thought that was nice. Um, yeah, I had that note actually as well. The smell and flavor of hops, mm-hmm. uh, which stood out to me. I did not get that. that. Yeah. <laughs> and I got some malt sweetness, kind of like Patrick did. I can totally see your DME point. It does smell like DME yeah. a little bit, but that is malt. So Yeah, it's, it's malt. I know. I, I, it's just that, that, <clears throat> that sort of sweet characteristic of malt. Right. Uh, I thought the body was okay. It had better carbonation than the first sample. I found it inoffensive, but with more flavor than a lot of the other ones on the table. Uh, the comment about the peanut, I think some of that might be that higher malt note, but plus um, some of these beers, a lot of lager beers tend to have some kind of sulfur compounds in the, in the residual beer, H2S or sulfitic. Sulfitic for me is, is like a, a matches but not a really stinky note, but for me it's typically like a dry powdery flavor I get in the back. So not mm. not through the, um, what's the? Uh, orthonasal. Or, orthonasal. Not the orthonasal, but more of a mouthfeel for me. Yeah. Like some people can smell diacetyl, some people can't taste it and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of balanced, I can taste it and smell it a lot of times, but sulfitic for me it tends to be more of a, a mouth experience than it is a, a mm-hmm. nasal experience. Right. So, all right. I think some of that peanut might be the sulfitic and some of the hot, and some of the malt as well. Yeah. Is that a demerit, by the way? That no, oh. not necessarily. Okay. It's, I mean, it's pretty normal. Yeah. So you don't want a huge rotten egg aroma. You right. want that to dissipate and be broken down with the yeah. yeast before you package it. But sulfitic in low amounts is fine. Yeah, because it didn't sound. Yeah. I I actually like it, although I don't think it's as appropriate with beers like this. With if you've got a nice full malty beer, uh, some some sulfur really helps mm-hmm. uh, frame it and give it some structure. But it can overwhelm these beers. So yeah, yeah. All right, beer three, Patrick, you're up. Uh, okay, beer three. Um, yeah, I didn't like beer three. I'm gonna. <laughs> say I felt it uh, very watery. Um, not a whole lot of character aroma. Uh, honestly, my main tasting note was yuck <laughs> so sorry <laughs> I'm not a fan yeah. this was in my middle to lower range uh, I picked up a lot of leathery oxidative notes it was musty as well earthy notes I didn't get any hop aroma and then the flavor it was very dusty musty dry and the finish was much drier and more powdery than the other ones were and I didn't like it at first it kind of grew on me a little bit but it's just I didn't really going back to it against the other ones I'm talking about the, the mouthfield finish. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. it finishes up, kind of getting drier towards the end was kind of nice. But going back and just smelling it again, I was like, I just don't like leathery. Yeah, I'm just saying, I was just laughing because I'm taking tiny sips of these now as they're getting warmer and opening yeah. up. And I'm like, actually, this has more flavor than I remember. But yeah, yeah. that's why. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I uh, This is one of the, the, the ones that did have a tinny flavor to me. We were in the pre, mm-hmm. pre thing we talked about. They don't. It's not tin in the sense that it it's badly packaged. I think as as they might have been for oldsters, we remember that. But there's a kind of when things are so hollow and so attenuated uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the flavor profile, it kind of has a a hollow tinny right. kind of strained flavor, and that's what I get out of this one. And I think if there's nothing behind it, the carbonic acid can come across as metallic in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we didn't love three, right. uh, four. Number four. This had a very low color. Uh, it was very ester forward for me. Yeah, it certainly was. I was kind of thinking it might be ethyl butyrate, 
which is a classic aroma of the Budweiser products, mm -hmm. which is a tropical fruit kind of note. Okay. Uh, for being, and, I, and as a taster, I know we have Bud, Budweiser, I know we think we have Bud Light in there as well. I can't remember if we have Bud Light or not, but I know there's at least a Budweiser in the group, so one of these 18 is gonna be Budweiser, and knowing that that's a typical flavor aroma, I'm kind of assuming this is that beer. I could be wrong. I usually am wrong, so we'll go from there. However, I did not get a lot of hop notes. I was expecting some kind of hop aroma from a Budweiser. Uh, sweet malt ends a touch watery. Mm -hmm. uh, fruity with a light, a very light acidity. It would have had enjoyed a little bit more acidity in there. would have brightened it up, but it was kind of in my mid-range beers. You made me very happy because I feel like I've, as a novice here, I put... Um, uh, the fruity note, I said slightly citrus, lemon, but weak, sort of a very weak, lemony. That was what I, what I picked up. Uh, and uh, yeah, very sort of an absence of hops, but that kind of lemon citrus sort of mm -hmm. took, took its place. Um, yeah, it was, it was okay for me. Um, but not. It, it was a confusing beer just because all that fruit is not something you expect in a lager. Mm -hmm. And it really, I think probably if you just had a can of whatever this is, yeah. you wouldn't focus as much on the fruit, but com but especially in comparison to all these others, it's crazy. Yeah. I, my, my note is tons of fruit in the aroma. Uh, it's watery too. It that's is. That's, it doesn't, it it doesn't is. really hold up. Yeah. All three of us had the, I, I wrote down watery, you yeah. said watery, you yeah. mentioned watery. Yeah. It's it's a watery beer. Yeah. So. But I kind of like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for citrus, so there you are. I kind of like that little. As an ale drinker, you like this lager. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, five. This one, so I think we have some dispute about this one. I didn't love five. I think you kind of loved five. I liked five. I uh, liked five. You're being generous with the love right now. I think you were. <laughs> this was one of my higher, higher ones. I think you composed yeah. a, a, an, imprompt, an impromptu ode about yes. the love of five. I uh, know uh, it. It was to me. It had a real malto meal, cereal malt quality really? in the aroma, and it. As I smell it, I get that. It was kind of flabby, and there's a flavor of squash. I get a squash flavor in the mid-palate. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's and fascinating. It does have an interesting kind of base note, a rich sort of chocolatey or chicory flavor, which was unexpected, and I kind of like that. So that was the one thing that I, I gave it props for. I, I may be the outlier here, so what, what did you guys think? Yep. I got and the aroma I got some sweet malt corn a little earthiness that might have been kind of towards the squash you're picking up this is one of the two that I got some herbal hop aromas into mm. and I appreciate that in there however I picked up some leathery again oxidative note and a pretty significant caprylic waxiness on the tongue as I was tasting it and caprylic is not an off flavor per se in high amounts it's too much but very standard to have lagers that are sitting on yeast for a long time to pick up more of those waxy kind of notes from, from the yeast. This may be my squash thing that I was talking yeah. about. It's That's awesome. funny. I don't, I, I can't, you mention it and I keep tasting it because I don't think I... It's more of a mouthfeel. Like if you rub yeah. your tongue against the, your upper palate, upper, your, uh, what is that, the roof of your mouth, I guess. Yeah. And it kind of slides around, kind of waxy. Hmm. You can pick up that way. Okay. I thought the body dropped off at the end, but it was still, again... More flavorful, more malt forward. I could smell hops in it. I appreciate all those notes about it. Yeah, to me, it. Uh, I liked it actually uh, quite a bit relative to the other ones. I thought it was slightly darker. I thought the malt aroma was nice. I don't have all of these uh, subtle 
flavor characteristics that you guys picked up, but I just liked, I felt it was sort of a warm malt aroma. I, f I have a note here that it was a pleasing mouthfeel. It was sort of medium body, and so maybe I like the waxiness, I'm not sure. And uh, I thought it had a, a rich flavor with, a, with a, a distinct little hop note, but also you could taste them all. So I, I gave it a lot of props for all that. Uh, beer six. Six. Am I up? That's you. Okay. Uh, so this one, actually, I, this one was, I had a lot of question marks here. I was excited to talk to you guys about it because the, it's got this aroma that I couldn't pin down. It felt like it was an ester. I don't know if you guys picked this up. Um, I said it was a medium, uh, a, a medium mouthfeel and a little hop bitterness, but not particularly distinct. So that's my novice notes. <laughs> I got hops too. This is the sulfitic note for me. It kind of tickles the back of my nose as I'm smelling it. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, this had very, very low aroma compared to the ones on the table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and for people who may not love macro lagers, that's pretty compared to these beers is very low aroma yeah uh, i didn't pick up any hops in the aromatics very low flavor it was thinner than the rest of them but it wasn't for all those knocks it wasn't an offensive beer it was just very very thin very low very low across the board mm -hmm. the only thing i'll add is that i i, I did get the, uh, a little tanginess from the hops a little spice uh yeah. it was in the mouth it wasn't on the nose um and it created a balance that i i didn't Experiencing a lot of these beers, uh, that you know, mostly they they pitch the hops below threshold, so it was kind of nice. Um, so I liked it. I agreed. It was a very <laughs> among a group of beers that are very understated with flavor impact. It was on the low end, yeah. but it was I, I was really clean, and I, I kind of like. Yeah, it has a very a, a very subdued aroma, but I think I have the same take as you, which is I appreciate the balance on the palate. It, it was a little bit weaker, but but I um, but I actually enjoyed. I thought it was one of the better balanced, balanced beer. And it's interesting that we that that mildness may be a feature, not a bug, given the the commercial market. So it's interesting. Right. Right. Uh, seven. So seven was one that was in my lower range. Definitely. <laughs> uh, very low color. It was also leathery, musty. Very low malts, no hops. I got musty, caprylic. And unpleasant was my last note on there. That's fascinating. My uh, so my notes are grassy, weedy, and kind of gross. Now you put musty, and I wouldn't have thought of those two things together at all. So it's interesting well, how I got such a different musty is like the basement mustiness, you know. Yeah, and I'm still getting that in there. There's a little more sweetness as it's maybe that's up to room temperature at this point. Crosses over to weedy, to weedy for me. Just like sort of weed. Like like, like cannabis weed? Or no, weed, no, no, weed no, 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 like um, weed, weedy, like uh, your compost oh, okay. heat, yeah. kind of weedy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a quality that I think everybody relates to when we talk about macro loggers, which uh, being cheap and industrial, which I think is mostly misplaced. I think, I think a lot of people haven't explored these beers in enough depth to appreciate the, what they do have going on. But this is one of those beers that tastes like it has that cheap industrial flavor that I think everyone would recognize. So that, I just thought, yep, that's a gross. Yeah, my my final note was thin and grassy. Yeah. So I, for me, it just that the grassiness came apart. The, the vegetable. Uh, so I don't think this one will move on. No, that one's not moving <laughs> on. We'll uh, before we leave today, we'll go through and. Uh, uh, mention which what the what these numbers were. Okay. Right. We'll we'll talk about the beers yeah. and then
we have our yeah. we have our young beer steward helping us out with yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. Shout out to. Do you want to make a shout out? I don't. Sure. Uh, to protect Lil, the innocent. Lily helped us with uh, with uh, the staging of all the beers. Took pictures and stuff so we would make sure that everything was blind. Right. Yeah. Big thanks. She to was Lily. our steward. She's our steward. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, okay. Eight. Uh, is Amita go first? Okay. Go for um, go this one was also a really estery beer. Just really sweet to me. Um, it had a kind of a glade lemon thing going on. Yeah. I was flummoxed by this one, so I'm interested to hear what you guys say because I just couldn't quite pin down anything. I mean, it's just really sweet. It's just really sweet. The malt is sweet. Mm -hmm. um, there's esters in it. And, um, you know, if you... if 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 I didn't know that if it was really a blind beer tasting, I would say it's a cream ale or something like that. It really tastes like an ale to me. Uh, it's so sweet. So it's not terrible, but um, I wouldn't call it a classic American or domestic log, uh, international lager. Yeah. Uh, this was on my higher end, actually. I think, again, my preference for more malt, yeah. more aromatics, more flavor. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely has that. Yeah. This is a low color. Uh, low medium malt aroma, but it had definitely had a caramel sweetness to it. Mm -hmm. There's definitely some richer notes. I don't know if that's an addition of like a Farba beer or something else that has like a more intense aromatic to kind of help fill it up. Mm -hmm. Again, no hops, medium body, light sweetness when it was cold and it's getting sweeter and sweeter and yes. stickier and stickier as it warms up. It is, yeah. But uh, in its original tasting through the round, it was one of my higher beers. You know, actually, that lemon thing does work pretty well. Patrick was all over that one. Yeah, no, I just had a, I liked it, but I had a question mark because I couldn't really pin down anything in particular about it. Like I couldn't, like one single note, but I liked, I said it was, um, this is going to sound really pedantic, sorry guys, I'm not the expert here. I said, said subtle but smooth, decent mouthfeel, not a lot of distinct flavor, but a pleasing. And that's kind of, seems to be the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. for, for brewers trying to make these kind of beers that are yeah. not so bland that you don't want to drink them because it tastes like half beer, half sparkling water. There's enough flavor, but not too much. Enough sweetness, but yeah. not too much. No bitterness. That's yeah. a good point. I think like if you put too much of a stink flavor, then you can get bored of it after a while, right? But if it's just sort of this subtle yeah. kind like, of flavor profile. Then... It's a medium common denominator. Yeah, exactly. I won't say least, but yeah. medium. <laughs> All right, our last beer is, uh, we finished with the Flourish. I think oh. this is you, Patrick, yeah. Oh, well, okay, so this is interesting because you guys, I don't, I'm not an expert, and I, I knew there was something about this beer, and now, of course, that you said it, it's skunked. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it also, <laughs> it's intense. Yeah, it hits you in the face. It's um, intense, yeah. But then it also got that same kind of, uh, uh, I'm not getting it now, though, but DME kind of, uh, the malt kind of popped too, um, and uh, maybe it's the the aspect of skunk that also the hop the hop goes away because I felt like it was like I felt no hop balance yeah. there at all, and so it felt heavy, and then it finally I also got this like bitter aftertaste. So there was hops there, I just couldn't taste them. Right, and I think those are great notes. Um, it's skunked. I agree. It's full bodied. Um, and I, I almost feel like there's my might be a great beer 
If it's, yeah, if that's it's the thing. Like, I, I know there's hops in there, but I can't taste them. I just get the skunkiness. I know we have Bex in the group, so I'm assuming this is Bex. Uh, um, I believe this is a bottle. Time. However, you're not... If you put a Bex in the can, it has to be skunk to keep the flavor profile consistent, right? If you make a Pilsner Orkfell, it has to have diacetyl in it to keep it consistent, whether it's in a can, a draft, or whatever. So they make these attempts to keep that flavor where it's supposed to be. And some wow, so just, you think that they're actually artificially skunking these? A, a lot of these breweries have to do that. They have to make, so they'll run it by a UV light on the way to the packaging. Really? And they'll skunk it on the way. It has to be a consistent flavor profile. You can't have one beer that's not sure. skunked and one beer that's skunked. Wow. So, huh. <laughs> so, so it, it, I mean, it, it should taste the same every time you taste it, whether it's in a draft, sure. poured at the bar, or if it's in the can, or in the bottle. But why not try to prevent skunking? Because it has become the flavor profile. It tastes oh, European. It's very okay. sophisticated. Pilsner Orkfell has right. diacetyl. And so you've got to keep the diacetyl in it. No, Woodfar all of a sudden had diacetyl. People are like, what's going on here? This beer screwed up. Right. Uh, it's not part of the flavor profile. Uh, fascinating. I yeah, have no idea. We're so we're, we supposedly have a Rolling Rock in here, and I haven't, I haven't picked up a DMS bomb yet. Yeah, so and I can't taste it, so I'm curious okay. to see if they still have. That I haven't in that picked beer. up a huge DMS bomb yet. Right, okay, we'll, so we'll see if the experts so, are right. Yeah, rolling so, Rock is the second. So round. my notes in this one is definitely skunky. I did get a lot of sweet malt behind it. Yeah. Um, no hops aromatically. Very caprylic. This is also very waxy for me. Okay. Sweet and skunky. Full malt body, and I got a light hop spiciness, which was what you got to finish. Yeah, I'm getting it now, actually, and when it's warm. Yeah. I can definitely taste this hops now. I couldn't before. All right, we should uh, pick I feel up. Like, I feel like this would, without the skunk, would be a good beer, though. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. Um, we should pick up the pace. because right, we, we got to pick, yeah, we we pick three now, guys. Uh, you had three. Did you Did you actually have three that you liked? Because I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, even... Sort of. What, what were your three, your yeah, three Allens? My top three were number two, which was the orange one, more malt sweet, forward, bready, very small, very bready to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight was that one we talked about recently, which is kind of like this yep. medium common denominator beer. Mm-hmm. And number five for me was the one that had the sweet malt corn. You picked up Chick Korea in it. Yeah. Sorry, jazz joke. <laughs> Spicy herbal hops. So two, five, and eight were my top three. Okay. Well, f- I have five, two, definitely. Uh, and then two and eight were the ones I had question marks because I liked them, but I just felt like I couldn't pin down why. And then I also had um, one and six. Yeah, I kind of hated five. Uh, wow. But I liked ten, but I also liked six, and I, I like two and eight are fun. I could go for two and eight. Uh, Right, say that again. So you liked, uh, you liked two and eight fine, but you didn't like five, and you liked six. I liked six, yeah. Yeah, I liked six. And then, so you got two likes for six, two likes for five. What do you got, Patrick? Uh, so the the ones that I picked out uh, were, so I actually had five that I sort of separated from the four, okay. uh, that which is one, five and six, and then one, two and eight. So two and eight are the other two that we have two two issue votes for. Okay. Well, I think we have. You guys both have two and eight, right? Yes. And I'm and I'm cool with two and eight. So let's let's put two and eight in the into the finals. Okay. And with, then fight over five and six. And then fight over five and six. Okay, that's fine. All right, I'm gonna take a sip of each, and I'll give you my verdict. 
<laughs> so for the listener right now, this is what you would hear if you were a brewer getting your Oregon Brewer Beer Award notes. It goes on for a long time, and then they finally decide which beers they like. And in the Oregon Beer Awards, I think one reason these debates can go on for a while is because we know that there's a brewer we like behind it who has <laughs> got a lot on the line, so we take it kind of seriously. Whereas here, it's like, I don't know, one of these is Pabst, and one of these is Dos Equis, and who okay. cares? I have a very strong preference. I'll tell you, I'll reveal that in a moment. Although I've written it right in front of I you. saw it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree with it. <laughs> so no matter what you say, Jeff, you're outvoted. You guys are stuck on five? Five, yeah. But you All really right. don't like five, huh? Uh, I really don't love five, no. But uh, democracy rules. Right. We live in a We're moving two, five, and eight to the next so round. Two, right. five, and eight, and, and we'll on. get Lily Crack. And we'll give spheres. we'll give uh, an honorable mention to uh, six. That's right. Whatever six is going to be. Okay, we'll be back for round two in a moment. All right, we are back for round uh, the second half of round one, uh, and we have just to kind of give a brief overview. We have a fairly diverse group here. We actually have two pretty dark beers and a few very pale beers. So we have, just even looking at the flight, they look it looks uh, more variegated than the last flight. Um, and I think we have some, I think the worst beers in this flight are worse than the worst beers in the last flight. So <laughs> but just to be clear, fun. we had nine in the first round, we had nine in the second round, we're passing three, th- three through to the finals. That's right. Okay. Uh, so let's get going. So, Alan, beer number one. Beer number one had uh, one of the lower colors. I was picking up some DMS, some uh, sulfitic SO2. Kind of the carbonation was really nice. The body was light, had a light sweetness, a little bit of a dank hop. It's kind of hard to tell if it was a hop or some DMS, some vegetal notes. We're kind of (laughs) making it dark. Yeah. I think often in terms of like, um, like, Sometimes I'll describe beers like you need the bass note and you need the flutes and you need the violins and the violas. You need that the whole orchestra in right. a beer to get through that beer nicely. Uh-huh. And uh, this definitely has that dank, deep bass note, but yes. it's a little on the dirtier side. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was the one of the two lowest on the on the table. And just so uh, the listener knows, DMS is what dimethyl sulfide. Typically smells like cooked cabbage or cooked corn. Gotcha. More of a vegetal, earthy. Yeah. Jeff and I. Jeff and I are pretty much immune to this. So yeah. It's good that you're there because I don't. I don't catch that. DMS. Uh, I'm going to do this hopefully in under a minute or so. <laughs> no, this is good. This is why okay. we have you here. Man. So DMS is is there's a precursor that's created during the malting process. If you kiln your malt at a very low temperature, you do not create or convert that DMS precursor into DMS. So German malts tend to be a lot lighter in color than British malts. British malts tend to be killed a lot higher. That higher killing temperature tends to create more of the DMS, which is then driven off very quickly in the mash slash kettle boil process. Uh, German German beers will often have DMS in them because the, the malt is inherently cooler, cooler, cooler kilned, has more DMS precursor left over, and it's just hard to get that out of there. Uh, and, and longer boils help that, is that right? Longer boils help that, but longer boils also use more energy. Longer boils also 
make your word a darker color. Right. right. There's a whole lot of negatives for you know the CO2 content in the world that goes up if you do longer boils. So they try and keep them as short as possible, and your turnaround times in your tanks is much longer. So right. the Germans will often use some systems where they'll basically simmer them all for the first half hour, and then they'll really crush it with some steam and just boil, boil, boil for the last half hour. And mm. that way they create all the precursor gets turned into that volatile DMS. And then they'll boil it really hard for a couple of minutes and drive it off Kill at that it point. Off, yeah. Especially right. with the calandria when it has that kind of splaying out kind of action where you have a lot of surface area that drives up that steam and pushes it out. Huh. So that's some of the technology the Germans use and Americans do as well. Um, some breweries like, they like we're talking about, what I'm thinking was the Bex in the last one with the lights, with the skunky light struck aroma. That's the flavor component. So Rolling Rock has DMS in their beer. So my guess, and I could be wrong, <laughs> is that this is Rolling Rock. I like it. I like to put yourself out there, though. Let's yeah, go. I yeah. think this might be Rolling Rock because it does have that er, that vegetal DMS-y kind of flavor right. for me. So I, I just, to, you, you had mentioned a, a dark basement. One of my one of my tasting notes was black tea, which is what mm. I, I guess I think picking up that same thing. And the black, huh. black tea is also tannic. So when you talked about dirty or mm. like rough, yeah. Uh, it also has that component yeah. as well, so okay. I, I agree with that. So real quick before we finish that, let me finish the second half of that comment. So yeah. DMS oh, is very common. Sorry, that was my fault. DMS is very common in German beers. British people don't like DMS because they kill in their malt at a higher temperature, so DMS is not normal in their beers. Mm-hmm. But diacetyl is often common in some British beer styles where the Germans do not like diacetyl. Right. So if you're from Britain, you like diacetyl more. If you're from Germany, you accept DMS more. Uh, interesting. So I'm going to out myself as an idiot. Uh, because my tasting note was uh, noble hop mm. flavor uh, aroma. Uh, that was the sense that I got. Maybe that was just the DMS talking to me in a really bizarre way. No, I think, so I, I also detected the hops. I My note was, this kind of reminded me of what we now call craft lager, so a, a more full flavor forward, full body yeah. lager. Yeah. But it seemed like kind of a bad version to me. It was yeah, like, that <laughs> was, I'm glad you said it, because that was sort of my, like, uh, my first uh, uh, instantaneous reaction was sort of positive, and then it kind of deteriorated after I sort of sat with the beer for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna have to pick up the pace on these let's others. Go. But that one. Was well, that was, that was a that was a deep dive into DMS, which is yeah. worth it. So Absolutely. Let's go. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, number two. Uh, this was a darker beer, one of the dark ones. It's mm-hmm. almost it's yep. almost like Vienna Lager color, yeah. uh, which was interesting. Uh, this was one of my my. Uh, my more positive ones that I liked. Um, it is pretty mild. Uh, it's it's on the sweet side, mm-hmm. uh, sweet, toasty, and malty. Yes. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm trying to talk myself into it or not. But I, <laughs> I feel like there's a tiny bit of hop spicing in there. But maybe I maybe I'm inventing that for my own purposes. But yeah, uh, I, I like this one. This I'll interject one. myself before we get the expert. Uh, I liked it because it, it, to me, it was more like a sort of a rustic malty pilsner, Czech pilsner prof- profile than you know for the mass market. But um, so I liked that 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 slightly rustic malt taste. Um, I thought it was slightly slightly watery um, and lacked a little bit in the hop note, but otherwise I thought it was pretty good. And I like the dark darker color it was nice. Did you taste any hops or? Uh, I said. My notes say lacking in a hop note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't get a lot of hops. Yeah, <laughs> this had this was the darkest on the, I think the darkest on the table for me. It had a bigger malt aroma, although the malt flavor is very subdued. Mm-hmm. I picked up notes of um, light caramel, a little bit of vanilla potentially. The 
body was very thin. It was still in my top three, but it was, yeah. Like you guys are saying, it's, it's like it's kind of there, but it's kind of thinned down for the market. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the when I talk about rustic pilsner malt, that was a, my my aroma notes actually, not my tasting notes. Mm. So, all right, uh, I think I'm up for three. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, uh, let's see. Uh, sorry, I my notes are kind of cryptic here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, I liked it. It was one of the lighter beers. Um, I thought that it was sort of an indistinct malt aroma. The, 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 the aroma was subtle. Um, it was a bit of a, a thinner beer, but um, I liked I liked it. it was balanced. I thought it was slightly citrusy floral, sort of a hop flavor coming through, and a, and very slight sort of biscuity um, malt characteristics. So I, I, I felt it kind of light and watery, but I sort of liked the balance. That makes sense. Who'd like to go next? I think it's you, Alan. Sure. Uh, I also found this very neutral in the aroma. There's a light sulfitic note, and I was looking up uh, during the break some of the notes from a uh, class I took when I was at Widmer. And sulfitic, they talk about swirl the glass to release the aroma, take short sniffs while holding the beer near the nose. Sulfur dioxide is an irritant. You may sense its presence by the fact that beers with high levels seem to tickle your nose and may make ah. you sneeze. And I get that often when these, especially this one as well, I talked about in the first round, the kind of a tickle, the kind of a thing in the back of your nose you can kind of pick up. And that's what I get off of this one as well. Interesting. Uh, got a touch of fruitiness, a lighter but consistent body. I thought there was a nice little note of acidity. It's kind of like a hop twang mid-palate. Something kind of pops mid-palate yeah. and then calms down. Finishes with a bit of honey malt sweetness. Um, That's a good one. Honey yeah. malt, I think, when we were brewing with it, a brewery I worked at, it almost has like a rotting pineapple note at huh. times. Mm-hmm. And that that sweetness is, is there for me. Not in a negative way, but right. like a very overripe pineapple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally... Yeah. Just took a little sip. Okay, I get that now. I'm not going to add a whole lot here, except to say that uh, I think I know this beer. I, I tasted <laughs> this beer and I just felt like, ooh, this is a beer I know. So I think it's a High Life or Hams or something that I've drunk a lot of. It just seems super familiar, um, and I liked it. I was, I thought it was really well done. Um, my notes on the honey malt was more of a corn. It seemed like more of a classic corn sweetness, but um, but anyway, I think we're on the same page there. Uh, beer four. Before I got some corn malt, uh, this was interesting, almost an apple cider in the aroma. The body and flavor reminded me of something that I would, if I was going N.A. in Germany when we lived there, I would drink an Apfelschorle, which is basically half apple juice, half sparkling water. It's very aptly, very neutral, not offending. There's a bit of sweetness that I found made it palatable. There's a little bit of a tannic bite at the finish. So this was on my lower half of the beers. Yeah. I I, uh, I I did pick up something objectionable in the aroma that was kind of rotting flavor aroma, and um, it was volatile, and it's gone now, but it was definitely there. I, I sniffed it a few times to see if I was still finding it. Um, it wasn't really present uh, retronasally, so it was fine once you started drinking it, but, but all the notes that Alan said I was uh, sort of noted as well, including that harsh finish. Yeah, the aroma was my favorite part. I thought that it had a nice... Bit of aroma, but I thought that the um, it was just so subtle. It was it was sort of like lowest common denominator to a fault, like just unobjectionable, but almost no, not a lot of flavor. Yeah. So I kind of gave it demerits for that. <clears throat> All right, we didn't love that one. How about beer five? Am I am I up on beer five? Yeah, we're on beer five. Yeah, this is one that I didn't even really 
I, I, I did not like this beer, and my notes are are brief and dismissive. Uh, <laughs> I wrote grassy, dirty aroma, malt meal flavors, tinny, watery. That's kind of where I was. Yeah. I'll go next because somebody else liked this beer more. Than <laughs> Uh, I got some fruity esters, ethyl hexanoate, which reminds people of uh, skin of red apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, light, dusty, sul- uh, sulfitic note. Body was medium light. Finished it a bit dull, and I found it watery as well. Yeah, so I'm the I'm the idiot, idiot here because I really really like this beer. It's yeah. probably my favorite of all of them. Uh, I like I wrote lemongrass, citrus, and then when you said red apple, I totally get that. I would probably add that more than the other two. Um, I just thought I found it sort of, uh, it was sweet, quite sweet. Maybe that's an objectionable thing for me. It, it, it worked because it felt like uh, apple citrusy kind of, uh, kind of sweet. I thought it was um, uh, aromatic and citrus and floral and sort of, I don't know, I just, I liked it. That's good. You you, you I'm, do I'm, you. I'm going to die on my. Yeah. People like what they like, and <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated to know what this is. But um, when you do blind tastings, that gives it a glamour of objectability, object, objectiveness, which there can be objective components, but there's also a highly subjective thing that I think we the yeah. people who talk about judging beer sort of obscure, but it's a really important thing. Yeah, and then once Alan said it, I think the apple, the red apple note is the key. Like, if you, you like it or you don't, and I just, I don't know, for some reason it really, it it, uh, it, it works for me. Well, note that down and you can go buy a case after, after the, the right. tasting. I think I'm six. Am I six? And you can take the partial can home, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Put the saran wrap over it and put it in the back of your car. Right. Uh, okay, six. Six is one of the medium, I thought it was the medium color, the aroma was slightly bready, but otherwise sort of indistinct. Um, I didn't like anything about this beer. Uh, I thought that it was maybe a slightly bitter, but there was almost no flavor. The mouthfeel was sort of thin. And uh, yeah, I don't really have much in my notes because I didn't like it. So can I throw something in here before we get your take? Because I'm curious. I had a note that uh, it tastes like it has coriander in it. I mean, it's a coriander note, but it's really strong and uh, I'm sure it doesn't, but it was quite noticeable and I, I didn't love that. And I'm wondering... When you say that, too. yeah, so one of my notes is uh, malt, light, DMS, vegetal, and tart notes mid-palate. That is kind of the flavor of... When mm-hmm. you say coriander, I was like, yeah, I could see coriander in that. Yeah. Even though it's probably not there, but there's like this lemon zesty note plus this dull, earthy, orangey combination which to me often tastes like if you get an old wit beer that's not freshly ground coriander you can get that duller note the oxidized flavor of coriander i don't find super appealing the fresh coriander is really lemony and very bright Uh, this is more of the dull stuff so one of my notes is tart notes mid palate drops off to duller caprylic i get more waxiness on this one yeah so this is on my lower half yeah i get a bit of earthiness in the middle yeah we didn't love six. <laughs> All right. Move on. Yeah, seven. Uh, I think you're back. We're back to you, Alan. Okay. Uh, this is one of my top four. Very low color, uh, low subtle malts with corn and a question mark for me. I got an interest. This is a lighter beer. I wouldn't be surprised if it actually is a light beer. Right. Uh, interesting phenolic spiciness to it. Fruity ester pear note, which is like low levels of isolium lactate very watery and it was a bit waxy but it was still interesting for being so thin and so light I thought it had a lot of flavor components that I appreciated in it yeah 
Uh, I didn't like it, but I uh, recognize everything you say. I thought that the Romo was slightly floral, which I really liked. But for me, it had a very strong wine grape or white white grape juice flavor, mm-hmm. which I didn't particularly like. So that's just a preference. Um, but it comes through; it shines. Mm-hmm. So if you like that flavor, I think it's it's a nice beer. But it, I also found it very thin and watery, and um, I'd be also very surprised if this wasn't the super light beers we have. I actually, I, I'm. It tastes light struck to me, very lightly light struck, and I know mm-hmm. neither of you get it, but I keep going back, and it's just a distinctive thing to me. So that's so why. So what I, is that to you? What is that? Skunky. Oh, so skunky. yeah, so just a tiny hint of skunkiness, um, which I I was disappointed with because I actually like this beer. Uh, I think you're right about the white wine. I I, I used a lemon, uh, lemony, but I think it's it's lemony white wine. So it's thin uh, and delicate, and you know not a big flavor bomb but um, but it but I that light struck thing I just I keep getting it in the nose it just is light struck I'm not gonna stake my life on it but almost I'll stake your life on it <laughs> brewers are dispensable that's right we're a dime a dozen that's true you can always find another well, one under the podcast even the, more so especially the white middle middle aged bearded brewers bearded yes everywhere that's true uh, we're all we're all in that camp um all right, uh, eight. Uh, is it me? I think it's you. It's okay. Yeah. Um, this was a one that I kind of liked. Uh, it is kind of a a classic mass market lager uh, uh, flavor profile. It's it's light. It's uh, pale. Um, it has that kind of industrial quality that I mentioned the last time. But in this case, I don't consider it a negative. Um, I thought in my notes that I tasted some hops, but I don't know that I believe that now. Yeah. Uh, it was it's it's not no longer as effervescent as it was, but it, it was really quite effervescent when we got it. Um, just a kind of <laughs> clean, crushable beer to me. Uh, yeah, so I. <clears throat> I concur. I, I like the aroma. To me, it was sort of grassy, sweet, mm. grassy in a good way. Um, yeah. uh, and the and the um, the malt profile was sort of biscuity, sort of corn, um, which um, worked. I thought, but yeah, I didn't get a lot of hop flavor, but I did get a nice bracing touch of bitterness that helped to balance it. Um, so I didn't get the flavor there, but I thought it was a, a well-built beer and, and, and pleasing on the nose. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I, I, this was one of my top three as well. Uh, had a little malt sweetness in the aroma, no hops, a little bit more of a tropical ethyl butyrate kind of aroma. Mm. CO2, that was really nice in it. Picked up some graininess, which is probably what your grassiness is, my graininess. Yeah. would be my, my estimate. Uh, definitely push this one forward. Yep. So yeah. We're down to number nine. Number nine. I think Patrick gets to do this <laughs> one. Oh, yes. boy. Well, so this one be confusing. I'm interested to hear what you two think, because uh, to me, it's just it's a darker one. And I always sort of mm-hmm. that to my eye that always sets me off. I only like this one. Um, I didn't. I had a really trouble uh, trouble finding an aroma, much of an aroma. So I felt it really bland on the nose. Um, to me, on the uh, in the mouth, it was bitter, but without much hot flavor, and. Um, uh, I got a malt, a, a malt note, um, and I thought the mouthfeel was nice. I thought it was sort of a decent body beer, but 
um, yeah, it just didn't really, nothing really sort of stood out. Just kind of a, a model mush to me. Does that make sense? It does. Yep. And it, <laughs> you yep. go ahead, Alan. Explain so, part of that model. Yeah, I had the low malt sweetness on that one, and then I my next note after. So I start it's no. Well, let me start with this. One. It says diacetyl. <laughs> then it says no hop. Then it says low malt sweetness. Then it says caprylic. Then it says medium light body, which was consistent, which was nice to have the body be consistent start to finish. Uh, low malt presence and very buttery again at the finish. So that muddledness, I think, is a combination of the buttery, the diastole, and the caprylic. Like on my tongue, this is super waxy on my tongue. So if yeah. you can pick up wax, this is probably the waxiest of the three, or okay. the 18 we tried so far. Yeah, as it warms up, it's much more evidently diastole yeah. um, But as with Patrick, uh, I don't find it super objectionable, but it is uh, really a flavor note here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, and I would say that, well, you can sort of accept these in Check lagers for mass market lagers of diacetyl is probably inappropriate. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't mention it because I knew you guys. I'm not very sensitive to diacetyl, and, and to me, it just kind of adds a richness mm-hmm. to the beer. But in this case, it's not really what you want. Right. Right? Like you want something a little crisper. and Yeah. yeah. So that was, that was, I guess that's what I meant by muddle. Right. I don't mind the diacetyl, but it needs to have a purpose in there here. I didn't think it had a purpose. Yeah, yeah it kind of balls up on your tongue. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, so uh, I think we're actually fairly uh, in accordance here. So what are the top three beers that you would pass on? Jeff, I'll start with you. I think, we're, I think we agreed, so I'll just speak for the group, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. We, we like two, three, and eight. That's what I have. Yep. And we will, uh, I think what we need to do before we sign off completely, we'll, we'll turn the... Because you guys don't like five, just it's like, true. point that out. So I know. You guys are decked at five, but otherwise I'll accept the two, three, and eight. Yes. Uh, you definitely love the five. So yeah. I think what we should do before we uh, close up this podcast and uh, come back with the thrilling finale for the next podcast is we should go find out what these beers were and we can read those out including yeah. the six that we're sending forward Sounds and, good. Uh, oh so out. so we're basically going to know the six not in which ones are which but we'll know the the population of the we we could is that how you do it we well that's how we did it with our ipa thing like yeah, normally in a, in, a, in a in a normal tasting you would not do that mm-hmm. uh, but i think for the it purposes makes of for the, better podcast exactly yeah. <laughs> the purposes of the drama of the show we kind of have to okay do that. sounds good so, all, all right. right we'll be back in a minute with the list and we will tell you what we got okay and we are back with the always surprising results the, of the first round the first round winners the first round winners and uh, congratulations to all <laughs> congratulations to all except those that were bad <laughs> uh so in the group 1a Kokanee. Kokanee went through. Went through. Heineken. Heineken. I was actually surprised about that. I would have guessed it was not going to go through. And Coors. You and I have fought about Heineken in the past, but yes. Uh, And Coors. And Coors. And uh, in B. In B, uh, we have Modelo Especial. Uh So we have Mexican. We have have Miller High Life. High Life! And I I, I got that one correct. Which Jeff knew that he knew this beer. He didn't know which one. And and Jeff has. I suspected it, that was either going to be Hans or High Life. And it was High Life. And uh, the last one was Pabst Blue Ribbon. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Hi- hipsters know what they're doing. Apparently. I did not see Pabst going through. And uh, just for uh, the sake of completeness, I'm the I was the lone one who really liked Beer Five, which now makes all kinds of sense 
because uh, beer five uh, from our second round was uh, Rainier. Rainier. Which was basically my number one beer all through college. So I probably just touched some of those nostalgic notes in my mind. And I push was pushing for uh, beer six, which is a beer that I didn't think I admired. So I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. But, yeah, you uh, should be embarrassed. About this one. <laughs> uh, Stella Artois. Uh, no, uh, no, that's Stella. It's oh, sorry, one. sorry, the wrong number six. Sorry, my bad. No, uh, down under Foster's. Foster's. Foster's what is yes. the thing? Taste like? Ta- what is their thing? It's I have about no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no idea what their what their yeah. catch line is. Uh, anyway, I. Okay, so next week we will be uh, we will be having the grand finale. The grand finale will be once again Kokanee, Heineken, Coors, Modelo, Miller High Life, and Pabst Blue Ribbon. Join us for the join us conclusion. for the thrilling conclusion <laughs> of the Great American Macro Lager Taste Off.
All right, a few words going out. Please subscribe to us on Apple SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. Does anyone ever rate us? Yeah, come on. Come on, rate us. That helps other listeners find the show. You can review us, too. Uh, that would be even better that's, that if you have true. nice things to say. Yeah, that's right. If you have bad things to say, don't review us. You don't need to rate us either, actually. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. And next time we will actually have, we have a pretty nice mailbag. So thank you for sending your questions. It seems to be correlated with actually podcasting. People have questions when we actually put out podcasts. So it's that's true. And, that's good. And just as a, as a note, we're, we're trying to get these out every other uh, Thursday. So uh, yep. look for these on Thursdays. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're committed to sticking to a, a schedule after all the disruptions of the winter. So you can send your questions or comments to jeff at beervonablog.com. That's a good email. Or on Twitter and or Instagram, both at the same handle, at beervonapod. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, and he tweets at Beervana. And Patrick tweets at uh, Beernomics, and I saw you t- tweeted today. That's it happens once in a while. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right. Cheers, Jeff. Hey, well, look look what we have in our hands. The award-winning beer. Oh, we... but you have to wait to find out what only it is. Only one can be champion. <laughs> only one. There can be only one. All, All right. right. Cheers, Cheers, Patrick. Look at that.